0: It's 2024, and you suckers are still living in the past. But I'm here to tell you about what's going on on the Fantasy Basketball Waiver Wire. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as John Farnham said, what about the age of reason? I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduelcom slash LockedOn to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. As you head into the new year, for those of you in America, or if you're here in Australia and the new year has already started, why don't you make it your New Year's resolution to be a double banger? Listen to the audio, watch the video, hit the subscribes and thumbs and comments and all that stuff. It goes a long way to helping the show. We're going to talk fantasy basketball waiver wire as we get ready for the beginning of week 11 in fantasy basketball. Let's just take a look at the things that we always take a look at on this show, and we will start by looking at players that I am deeming must roster. Remember, these are the guys that over the next couple of weeks, we're looking at who are below 65% rostered, so over 35% available, who I think just should be on rosters at this stage. And it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be there long-term, but it does mean that for now, we need to have a crack at it. I will just preface this. Andre Drummond's name is on this must roster list. It's not, because you can see the list in front of you. And there are these other six names that I want to talk about, because Andre Drummond has that interesting category rank issue of being absolutely horrific in free throw percentage, which can really drag you down. But when you punt that and in a minus one format, he's way up the top, like we know this. But I didn't include him in these six names, even though I do think he should be rostered, is that if you are in a delicate situation, maybe you don't want to lose the free throw category for two weeks. That's possible. So therefore, maybe for a small amount of people, it won't be worthwhile doing. I still think that Andre Drummond needs to be rostered everywhere, but just be aware of that part of it. Um, I've got to, Isaiah Hartenstein still at the top of that list. I am a person with eyes, and I have watched Precious Achua play basketball many, many times. And I have seen some absolutely wild takes at times. Yeah, he's perfect for Tom Thibodeau. Okay, uh, no, he's, he's, he's a really good center. Like He's just going to thrive. Okay? I I just don't agree. I don't agree with any of that. He is a high usage center. Tibbs hates it. He is one of the lowest basketball IQ players in the NBA on offense and defense. He's not big. He's not a great rebounder. He's not a great defender. He's not a shooter. He's nothing. He doesn't do any of those things. So while, yes, he might impact Hartenstein slightly with a couple of minutes because he probably is better than Taj Gibson, although, honestly, debatable. There is a chance that he could play some minutes at power That is also possible. But I, I just, it's one of those ones where you go, Thibodeau's going to watch this guy and go, oh no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Not having any of that. That is possible too. So that all brings me back to Hartenstein. And, and I just think he needs to be rostered. We'll see what happens. We'll see whether it changes later on. But for now, I'm still rolling that way. Derek Lively, is still available. Shouldn't be. Just needs to be on rosters. 10s, 12s, any category. needs to be on a roster. That one, I think, is pretty simple. I don't know when Draymond Green's suspension is ending. Could be soon. Could be this week. Might be the end of this week. I'm not sure. But I do know that he's available in a lot of different spots. And yeah, is it annoying having him get suspended all the time? Yep. Is it annoying scoring single digits? Yes. But he's been a very clear top 100 player this season. And you don't just find many top 100 players sitting on the waiver wire that could be top 100 rest of season in week 11. There's a chance that he comes off the bench when he returns. There's a chance he's not that good. That's all true. There's a chance that they continue to limit him and he gets suspended, whatever. Or he doesn't come back for three more weeks. I- I'd be taking the crack. We talked at length about this yesterday with Dante Vincenzo and the trade and said that his value would boost and then he went out and dropped a career high. I'd be really cautious about overreacting to that career hype because of course OG and Obi wasn't there. That's 36, 37 minutes of playing time that he's not going to be available. And also Quentin Grimes was sick in that game, too. But that doesn't change the fact that Dante DiVincenzo should be added in 12s. I'd probably consider in tens, maybe. I wasn't I wasn't sure on that yesterday. I'd probably consider that in tens, but I do think we want to grab him and I would prioritize him, I believe, over Josh Hart. Pat Williams is a guy that I'm still rostering. He's not awesome. We know this, but he's doing enough that I think you want to grab him. And the last guy on that list is Emmanuel Quickly. I'm guessing that Quickly has been grabbed most spots, but he did fall under the 65% roster um, limit that we set on this. So obviously not everywhere. Don't worry about that. Go and add Emmanuel Quickly. There are some, again, that will disagree. We we don't know how this will go. The thing, oh, he'll just stay as a sixth man in Toronto. I would be very shocked if he is playing behind Schroeder and Gary Trent in a couple of weeks. I'd be really shocked at that. I believe that they... You well know, obviously they didn't prioritize getting first round picks and the prize there is quickly and not barred in my opinion in the trade so I think that quickly will be starting and he'll be, he's actually a pretty perfect pairing with Scotty Barnes so I do think that that'll come to fruition pretty quickly and I just wouldn't wait to find out to see how it works I just do it now you know what we say get ahead of it and see see exactly where that ends up for points leagues. Some of the same names there. Andre Drummond, there's no question about him in a points league. Look, the free throw percentage doesn't matter. So we go that direction without really any... um Any concern at all? Uh, You've got Isaiah Hartenstein, Derek Lively, Draymond Green, and Emmanuel Quickly still on that list. I'm going to throw Karis LeVert in there, who I'm not sure is a must in in category leagues because the production's been up and down. But usually, you can rely upon Dracarys LeVert to be a points league player with the absence of Garland, even though Don Mitchell is back now. Um, LeVert is still coming off the bench. I still think that that knee is bothering him, and that is causing somewhat of a problem. But for now... I do think that we go with um, with Karras in points, and he just should be on all rosters across points leagues. And then we reassess later on if he continues to struggle or if he struggles more or when Darius Garland returns. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL season is wrapping up, or the regular season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to play. Live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays and more. So if you go to fangilcom slash you can make your first bet a layup. Are they cross-sporting here? This is a new new copy for fanduel. So we're doing NFL regular season, but we're doing our first bet a layup. It's NBA, my guys. Let's make all of it NBA-related. Make our first bet a layup. Get your 150 bucks in bonus bets. Fangil also an official partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. I said this on yesterday's show that I put my first bet on. it. Well, actually, I sort of—I didn't—I didn't lie. But what I did on Twitter, I said, "Look, I, the first bet—I posted it. I talked it on the show yesterday. Let's completely re. I said I'm going to put a bet on the Pistons to win yesterday. Their money line—they were two dollars thirty. They were paying. Um, so they're going to win. So I put money on it. Fifty bucks was my first bet for the season. And then I went back and looked. I'd actually put on like three over under win totals for the season back in September, but I didn't count that as regular season betting. So yeah, it was my first bet for the season, my only bet for the season, and we hit it. Well done. Not that it was a huge amount of money, but yeah, that's the only one that I that I did. I'm not a huge not a huge better, to be fair. But I thought that one looked um, pretty nice, and I did mention it on the podcast, and it uh, it worked out all right. Let's look at droppable. Get that garbage players. out of here. What do I mean by droppable? Again, really, really important to understand what I mean when I talk about this. You don't have to move on from these players. It's like if they're on your roster, you should go, hmm, do I need to? Do I need to hold on to them? These are guys that I project outside the top 140 as we move forward. And when you're looking at your roster and assessing it, if the guy's sitting there and there's a waiver wire guy you want to take a crack at, well, you can move on. This is not an extensive list, it's not an exhaustive list. It's a list of six guys that I think you can consider as move-honourable players. The Baptist, John Collins believe he was on this last week. Been talking about that pretty incessantly in the comments over at Basketball Monster and on this show. It's just not happening. The upside's not that high for him anymore. He's not that player that he used to be. He's not in the Jazz's plans. I think that's pretty clear, even though they keep starting him at center over Walker Kessler for reasons that I will literally never understand. But for now, you just do not need to roster John Collins. You can, but it won't be the end of the world. But you absolutely do not need to do it. I'm going to put Rowan Barrett and Dennis Schroeder on this list. Two Toronto teammates now. Yes, there might be, there might be a reason to consider. And I'm not a big narrative guy, as you might be aware. Well, I'm not one to be like, well, RJ Barrett's going back home to Canada. He's got more to prove in front of home fans. Um, he's going to be more motivated. Um, so therefore, he's going to turn things around. I, I just, I just can't buy that at all. I, I just, as a professional athlete, getting paid millions and millions of dollars, and always striving to be competitive and win. If you can't get motivated playing for New York, um, if you can't get motivated when you're constantly getting bagged on for not being, living up to what you should be able to do, are you really just going to turn things around in your new environment? Was there any inkling at all that he was unhappy in New York? No. So coming home to Canada, well, now he gets to eat poutine every day. Is he going to be firing up? I don't really think so. I just think everything we've seen from Barrett, everywhere he's gone, low percentages, low defensive stats, low rebounds, low blocks, low volume threes, some scoring that needs big minutes and high usage. And I'm not really sure how any of that changes. Not like he goes to Toronto, like Emmanuel quickly, and moves from a 24-minute bench rocker. Finally unleashed his 30 minutes, 34 minutes as a starter. Let's go. He'd been doing that, and his minutes had come down. Yes, he was at like 30 minutes a night, so maybe he plays a couple of extra in Toronto. But his game still is his game. Shout out to... Is I think it was Marlowe. Shout out to Marlowe. Stanfield. What other Marlowe is there? Anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, Barrett's Barrett I just, I'm just i not going to be like Well, you never know The Canada situation He's back there He gets to deal With the shittest people on earth And, and snow and cold And now he plays For a terrible organization So maybe things will be better God, Guys, if you are You know that I'm joking I actually love Canada You know that I'm joking But it's funny I, I, Maybe you don't find it funny Maybe I'll stop I just don't believe That he's going to um, Pick things up Just because he's playing in Canada and then for Dennis Schroeder. Again, Schroeder was great yesterday. But it's also worth remembering that there was no OG Ananobi and there's two more guys to come in quickly and Barrett. So this always is a issue where you run into traps in fantasy. Shout out to three 40 point consecutive games of Cam Thomas last season. It's in between trades. And you go, well, oh, look at this. It was great. Yeah, cool. But what happens when we get 70 minutes, 75 minutes? of Barrett and quickly moving back into that mix. And Schroeder, who was on the bench, probably stays on the bench or moves back to the bench. And instead of playing 28 off the bench, because you've got to fit an extra 30 minutes of someone into that rotation, he loses out a bit. You do not have to drop these guys, of course. And you could, and I think it would be advisable in a lot of spots, to just hold on to Schroeder and see what happens. But you don't have to. Same with Jordan Clarkson. He's behind Colin Sexton at the moment. He's wildly inefficient and one note often in, in category leagues. If you want to move on, move on. Russell Westbrook's been playing better with Kawhi Leonard out. Cool. I don't think that's worth a must roster rest of season tag. So you can move on there. And the last one, again, this is controversial. I do think that we are in the position where Cam Thomas is droppable. I don't, you don't have to. And in a lot of cases, I'd be like, you probably want to hold. But if the decision to me came down to do I take a chance on Emmanuel quickly... And drop cam thomas then i would do it we have seen the limitations of cam thomas and you might think that i'm a cam thomas hater and whatever you want to think think about it but i would i would argue that everything i've said about cam thomas so far has come true i said look he's been on a great run he's shooting well when the shot doesn't fall where does it go and i just don't think he leads to winning basketball and i think that they probably need to make changes to able to get other people involved to do more stuff and that's exactly what happened. And they moved him to the bench for Dorian Finney-Smith and his minutes have been down like four of the last five games. That could all reverse course. It could. But this is the way that I have viewed Thomas the whole time. And he was playing really well. He's playing less well now. But his overall style has negatively impacted the team, I believe. So if you are a Cam Thomas believer, you probably do have him. And if you're a Cam Thomas hater, like I am, you probably don't have him. So a droppable recommendation for me probably doesn't mean jack shit to you. And I do understand that. But I just think that if you follow the trajectory of where it's going, and if you are considering, hey, you see my worst player, do I take a crack at guys like quickly or someone else popping up? Then I believe the answer is yes, because I just firmly believe that you can't really have this successfully functioning offense if he's taking every shot in the world in that starting group. But you know where I sit on him. And that's always important to note as well. In points leagues, these are guys, again, that I think you can consider moving on from. I'm going to put Jordy Clarkson on there. This one will be controversial as well, but Jaime Huckers. Now, the reason I would hold off on the Jaime Huckers drop is I just don't understand. understand, We don't have the information on Jim Butler and where he is at with his foot injury that caused him to leave the last game. So I can understand holding on to him until we wait for that. But even in this extended run that Huckers has been playing, where he's been pretty good. Not so good last game, but he's been pretty good. In a points league, the volume for what he does, his best categories are percentages, field goals, and free throws. And that just doesn't really fly massively in points leagues. Like over the last two months, in or over the last month, in thirty-four minutes a night, he's averaging under twenty-seven fantasy points, which is 120th. Like that's totally okay, and it should be on a roster. But it's with Hero out with Bam out, with Butler out, with guys in and out everywhere. Again, it's not a must-drop situation. But it's one of those ones where I think he's probably got more value in category leagues because of his percentages. And just, is there any overall massive upside for him in a points league? And I say no. Johnny Collins on that list. I've got a Nyeka Okungwu on that list as well. I don't think you need to be rostering a Congo in points leagues, but we've had that discussion since about week two. I still believe that you hold a Nyeka Okongu in in category leagues. But in points leagues... I would only be going to grab him if there is an injury or a trade that opens up 26 minutes. Because at the moment, it's not there, and he's just not an accumulator. Uh, much like Huckett's, to be honest, where the value for him comes in defensive stats and percentages, and that doesn't lead to gigantic success in points leagues. So I don't think you have to hold him. In fact, you can easily jack him off in in, in points leagues, no question. And the last one is Dennis Schroeder, which we have already... Um, Already spoken about at length about his value. Again, don't have to make it, don't have to make moves on any of these guys if you don't want to. They're just the guys that I think you probably should have in that uh, firing line. Today's episode is also brought to you by PricePix. Picks. PricePix Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers. Instead of out there battling against thousands of people in a large field tournament, against pros, sharks, guys who spend all day with their spreadsheets and algorithms and late swap formulas and all that sort of stuff, it's you and player projections. That's it. Two to six individual stats. You get out there, you chuck them into an entry and you can win up to 25 times your money back. Just hit all six of them. Easy to do. You can do it across multiple different sports. There's a large range of players, a large range of stats, your points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes, fantasy points. Just look at it and go, hmm, more or less. Easy. Put them together. Really fast, easy to do. You can even go up against um, celebrity PricePix favorite players like Meek Mill and Andrew Shields as well, which you can find on the community plays under the promo tab tab on the app. So go to PricePix.com slash locked on Use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. There's PricePix.com slash locked on The code is locked on NBA, And that is for a first deposit match up to $100. PricePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. Um, Let's we've looked at the must rosters and droppable section that went for why does that part always feel like it goes for a long time apologies for that let's now look at the most added players and the no number one most added player is Rui Hachimura up 30% and I pray to god that that is just for Sunday streaming because the Lakers have a stinking schedule next week they have one quality game on Sunday that is it and Rui Hachimura well he stinks just as much as that schedule does He can be an okay points guy, but that's it. You do not need to do anything more than use him for Sunday and then jack him off. Eric Gordon, up 27%, rightfully so. The Suns have got a really good schedule. They're a pretty packed schedule, even with Brad Beal out. Um, Gordo's doing enough. He's on a little bit of a shooting hot streak at the moment, which is always a W. He should be rostered behind Grayson Allen, but he should be rostered. And then Emmanuel quickly added everywhere. Cool, should be. Still hasn't jumped up enough, but it's been a big jump. The Dart, Goga Badadze, almost 7,000 ads over on Yahoo. That is because of Wendell Carter's knee injury. He is an interesting short-term guy, but I don't think there's long-term value there. In fact, I don't even believe that Wendell has been ruled out yet, has he? Let me just have a look at that for the Orlando Magic. Uh-huh. No, he hasn't even been ruled out, but people are preemptively adding Goga. They're also preemptively adding Larry Nance Jr. The last time we saw Nance was one game. And he had five steals and took the minutes away from Valanciunas in a development that I did not see coming at all. I don't mind adding Larry Nance, especially if you're streaming in for Sunday. I don't think that he's a must-grab guy across the board. And obviously, the five steals is probably going to end up as a season high. But it's one to watch. And then lastly, Jalen Suggs, which I'm actually really surprised to see Jalen Suggs as the third most added player. Not because I don't think Jalen Suggs should be added, but the fact that he was available in that many leagues to go and add him. So maybe I should have put him on the must roster board. Yeah, yeah, Marco Fultz might return today, but I don't really care. Jalen Suggs, to me, is a pretty clear um, must-roster player or must-grab player, and people have gone and added him today. But not a lot that's really debatable on that list, I don't think, apart from Rui Hachimura. Get what about the other of of side of the coin? Who are the most dropped players over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours? Number one on that list is the painter Matisse Thybul. We know what he is. You add him when you want steals, when there's a nice little schedule bump, and that's it. You can't trust it long-term. It does help when Aiton and Sharp and then Simons are out. It gives him extra minutes, but he might be a 21-minute, 20-minute-a-night player on a healthy team. And well, that's great to get a couple of steals in, it's just not worth rostering. Craig Porter, we saw it. Mitchell come back. Porter did score well, but played 15 minutes. You cannot trust 15 minutes of Craig Porter in 10 or 12 or probably 14-team leagues. As much as we might like him, that path to minutes is nowhere near clear enough or it's not even available, so you don't need to hold on to him. And finally, people are starting to move on from Asar Thompson. It is frustrating. I know that after that really hot start, now he's playing 12 minutes a night. But the spacing concerns are legitimate. I I understand that part of it. And I just don't think that it's worth holding on to him, waiting for things to turn around. I would have dropped him a couple of weeks ago. And people are moving on now. Paul Reid, one of the most dropped players. Yep, great ad. For the back-to-back, I know people will say, well, what did I bother with Paul Reed for? It wasn't very good. It was actually pretty good for fantasy. I know he'll have some weird games in there, but he is still a really, really good player who contributes really highly in those low-volume stats usually. But Embiid is... I don't know if Embiid is back, but given the fact that if you want someone on Sunday, there's a chance that Embiid could return in the next game. So Reed has no value. So you move on. Cool. Derek Jones was dropped. I actually did drop Derek Jones in one of my leagues, even though I do think he's going to start for the for the Mavericks as we move forward. That's what Jason Kidd said. Although, you know, Jason Kidd, pillar of uh, honesty, might, might be not telling the truth in this one. I think that we can still roster Jones, but I get it. If you wanted someone else in on a weekend or to try to grab a DiVincenzo or a Josh Hart or someone like that in New York, no worries. And then Sticks was dropped. Jalen Smith. I don't, again, I will be very, very clear on this. I've said this a million times. I do not believe that Jalen Smith is a good player. I don't think he's a very good player at all. I don't think he's really much of a power forward. Honestly, I don't even think he's a good center, but he has had some good moments this season. Him starting has been okay. I wouldn't say it's blown us away. Hasn't really pushed the 28 or 29 minutes, which I don't know that he needs. He probably only needs 25, but what I do know is that I added him in like two leagues, and I haven't even considered dropping. I just want to see how this starting role plays out. I get it. Again, is he your worst, and you want someone on Sunday? If he's your worst player... By all means, go for it. Right? That is a general mantra that we try to live by here. It's one of them, one of the million on the on the old stone t- tablet behind us that's not there yet. But I would be giving that just just a little bit more time, just to see exactly where this um where this ends up going, and if we can get a little bit more um stability in his production. Let's take a look at some hot players. Who has been a widely available player? Who is a top 100 guy over the last week, and it is Sticks' teammate Aaron Neesmith, who has been dominating. I'm a little skeptical of some of what Neesmith was doing. He is putting up some un- uh, unbelievable shooting numbers with unbelievable defensive numbers, <clears throat> but maybe that is just real. It is being compounded by Bruce Brown's absence, so I don't know where all that goes when Brown returns. But for now, Neesmith's rolling. He outplayed Buddy Hield. He's shooting out shooting Buddy Hield. He has really developed into a quality quality NBA rotation player. And good stuff. Dayron Sharp, even as a reserve, because even the game that he started, he played reserve minutes. He's been comfortably top 100 over the last week. He's that guy that burned us very early on in the season as an elite stream when Claxton was out and then he played no minutes. And now he's just dominating in backup minutes, really putting together big numbers. And you probably don't want him as a must to 12, but honestly, he is producing enough to be considered in that role. Mr. Black, Anthony Black is here. He had, this is really boosted by two, one very big game, one terrible game, and then that obviously wasn't boosted by the terrible one. One huge game, a terrible game, then a mid game, and it's pushed him into the top 100 over the last week. But Markel Fultz is likely to return soon, so I just don't think we need to action anything with Anthony Black. A couple of old bastards here, Kali Linick and Kyle Lowry. I cannot for the life of me understand what to do with Kali One thing I do know what to do with Kali is not call him Lunch Lady. Terrible nickname. Dreadful nickname. Last time it'll ever come out of this mouth. Um, and I know some of you love that nickname. Not happening. Not happening. As for Kelly Link, though, the numbers are good. And then he'll have like a 2, 4, and 3 game coming off the bench in 18 minutes. The Jazz rotation, completely up in the air. It's like a fart noise every time you see it get put out. I don't mind him as a streamer, but it's really hard to trust. And the same goes with Kyle Lowry. Not only is he in and out of the lineup, but the Heat guys are all in and out of the lineup around him. He might play 33. He might play 21 minutes. He might shoot two times or he might go for you know, four of 12 for 12 points with seven assists and three steals. I, I don't know. They are both firmly in the let's stream them in and see what happens, but I can't put any trust in that. And the other guy who's up there is Jabari Walker. Now, it's obviously been helped by the fact that Aiton has been out, Sharp has been out, and Simons has been out. up, uh, Reith has also been out, so Walker's playing a lot of center. I maintain that when we hit March, this is going to, be, going to be one of the guys, unless he gets hurt, Jabari Walker is going to be one of the guys in March that helps you in the fantasy playoffs. Because Jeremy Grant's troublesome knee. He's got this thing, um, I don't know what it's called. It's like a, a, a ligament uh, marchitis or something, I'm not sure, on his knee. And it just apparently gets sore every year around that time. So we'll, we'll see. Seasonal affective disorder for his knee ligaments. We'll see where the Grant actually plays. I doubt it. I think Walker would start. And I think he would put up really good numbers. Although they could start with Thibault and Kamara. But I think Walker's going to be a really interesting March player. But that's a March player. Good, good run from him. Not a lot that we need to... Um, a lot that we need to worry about with that in the short term though. Let's look at some injury replacement players. Some of the guys we spoke about already are injury replacement players. I don't like to double up these guys. So I'm not going to talk Andre Drummond here, which of course is a great injury replacement sort of a guy. Just a bunch of other names that I think are worth us discussing. And even though this isn't an injury, but Trace Jackson Davis at the moment is someone to grab. He started last game, played 28 minutes. And the reason I put him as an injury replacement is I just do not know what happens when Draymond returns. Can Draymond and Trace play together? Does Draymond start at center next to Kaminga and Jackson Davis goes to the bench? Don't know, but it's in play. And the return of um, Draymond is going to have some sort of an impact on Jackson Davis. It might be positive, but it also could be negative. They should kick Kevon Looney completely out of the rotation because unfortunately for Kevon, he's cooked. He does not look good at all at the moment. And TJD is very, very clearly, in my mind, their best center. I don't know whether that is going to continue. I don't know whether he's going to continue in this role. But I do believe that we add Trace Jackson Davis and just roll with it and we see where this ends up. Big Dick Nick, as long as doubtful legend Mark Williams is doubtful, um, we're going to run with Nick Richards. That is the simplest equation there is. You just hold him until... I actually see Mark Williams play, and I see Mark Williams play 25 minutes. I am rostering Nick Richards. No debate on that. Tari Eason, I'm putting him on the injury replacement board because we have seen, we have seen Imaidoka. We have seen Dylan Brooks get hurt and him decide that he will um, start... Wild thing, low upside legend, Jay Sean Tate. Okay, could have been Eason, but I get it. We've seen Jabari Smith get hurt and go, well, now it's got to be Eason. No, it's um, fossilized Jeff Green. And even in these games, Eason's playing 26, 28 minutes, which is enough for him to have value, right? That is enough. But what it also suggests to me is that if you can't push to 31, 32 minutes and get a starting job over Jeff Green or Jay Sean Tate, Well, I've got a little bit of doubt about where your value lies when those players return. A little bit of doubt. It always seems to be, well, this guy needs to get injured or this guy needs to get benched like Jalen Green. And he's always going to be in and around that mix. But for now, the value is boosted because of injuries. And I just worry that he'd be one of those like eight minute and a half players when everyone is healthy. So for now, we are rolling with Eason, but just be really cautious. He's one of those guys that fantasy people love, like absolutely Danish backhands all over the shop, analysts and managers. And they're always like, why, 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 why doesn't he do more? Why can't he play more? He's awesome. He's going to do this and this. But at some point, we, and this includes me and everything you have to accept reality. You have to accept what he is as a player. But more importantly, you have to accept how the coach treats him. And that's where we're at with that. Same with the Sarah Thompson. So injury replacement. Duncan Robinson, I'm going to put on that board as well. Um, The Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin situation. Robinson's dominating. Even in bench minutes, he's putting up really strong numbers. Really strong. It's curious to me that they like start RJ Hampton or um, even Jaime Harkes, to be honest, over Duncan Robinson or limit his minutes considering how good he has been this season. I think that at the moment, he's absolutely in play to be a 12-team league player. In Charlotte, we've got no lamella ball still. Update on that. It's probably coming never. Uh, Gordon Haywood's out with a calf issue. so Cody Martin, unbelievably, after 10 years out, played a back-to-back on his second game. He's playing 24, 25 minutes, and that's maybe enough. Probably more into 14-team league territory, but it's close enough for me to mention it here as an injury replacement for Haywood. And lastly, I'm just going to put Sadiq Bey on here, the depressed penis. Does he have high upside? Absolutely not. Is he very good? No. But while DeAndre Hunter is out, Bay has enough value to maintain a 12-team league roster spot. When Hunter returns, I really don't think that'll be the case for Sadiq. But for now, it's here. He's still available in like 40% of leagues, and I just don't think he should be. I don't love him at all, as you're probably well. Well, maybe you do think that I like him because you see, me, you saw me drafting him in round 12 of a bunch of mock drafts in the start. Man, Josh really loves Sadiq. Welcome to the show for the first time and I just cannot express to you enough how much I don't think this guy's a good player and was high, horribly overrated all through his career. But the the role is the role and the role is here. So we roll with it. There you go. And lastly, I want to bring up just some other names that I think are important to talk about. And we are going to start this section off by talking about three rookies. Sterling, Scooter, Henderson. Three points-assist double-doubles in the last, like, three weeks, I think it is. Yes, it has really helped that Simons and Sharp have been out. He started last game, but you know what? He actually looks comfortable. The shot is going in. We said this, that rookie point guards struggle. We don't know when the, the switch flips, and I said I'll give him until Christmas, um, to really start to turn it on consistently. I was like, all right, you think he can move on. And then about a day later, he put together like a run of three games in a row. But if we're going to talk about Eason and opportunities, we have to talk about Scoot because it's really been, like he was running for some God knows reason as the fourth guard, but it's taken Sharp going out and now Simon's out last game for, to really elevate. Now, it'd be pretty bold to push him back into a 23 minute a night roll behind Brogdon, Simon's and Sharp, but it's definitely possible. But for now, you've just got to have him and we just got to see where this goes now. The next one is Keontae George. They've taken Horton Tucker out of the rotation. They're starting Chris Dunn still, but George played like 28 minutes last game. I would say at this point that I would have Henderson over George. They're both like, Henderson's ahead of George in terms of recovery from injury, way better prospects in terms of draft pedigree and performing at a strong level. George was performing okay, had taken that job and now sort of faded back. But I've liked him pushing up. I, I don't mind a hold on George. It is more veering into luxury stash territory, but I don't mind it. A lot of people dropped or considered drop, dropping Brandon Pajemski when he moved to the bench last game um, with Chris Paul starting. You don't need to do that. If he gets 30 minutes off the bench, it's fine. It does help that Clay Thompson continues to be... Oh no, oh no. We're going we're gonna to bother the Warriors fans? Yeah, he looks, he looks cooked again. And this is, again, one of the things we talked about with players being washed. Can you still occasionally have a couple of good games? Yes. But it's about, can you do it consistently? And Clay has actually been consistently bad outside of a couple of interspersed big games. So that's a worry. Also, not putting Steph on washed, washed watch, but not a good run from Steph, has it? Not a good run at all. Chris Paul moved back to the starting lineup ahead of Pajemski. And Chris Paul, I don't think there's any debate about it. He's much better as a starter versus a bench player. But if Pajemski getting 30 off the bench, which he still did, it's enough for me to hold. So we hold? And we adjust it later. I'll just mention this again. I do believe that in the coming weeks, that Trey Jones is going to get an opportunity to start. I don't know if that is true or not. That is not based on any inside information. It's me trying to see a trend coming. And I don't mind that ad. Peyton Watson probably should have had him on the injury replacement board, to be honest. But he's here now. No Aaron Gordon. Watson's been great in the games without as. He was the guy that we posited would be the ad. Um, we hoped they wouldn't start Justin Holiday. Watson was the guy. Watson is the guy. And Watson's the ad there in Denver. And lastly, Gary Trent. I bring him up because he moved into the starting lineup with the demotion of Dennis Schroeder. And then like two games later, a trade happened. I really... Gary Trent, um, free agent at the end of this season, uh, a frustrating shot selection player. I don't think he's going to be the guy keeping Emmanuel Quickly out of that role. Now, I guess you could argue that having Quickly and Trent in the starting lineup together and benching a Yucca Purtle, or, or not playing RJ Barrett, which I would be in favor of, would open up more spacing for Barnes and Siakam. I'm not sure that Darko is going to do that. That's what I would do. But let's we need to just watch where Trent sits. He was a soft ad when he got to the starters role because points and threes can be useful in more volume, and we'll see where it goes now. I'm not convinced that it's going to last, but it is something that we need to watch. And that, is the end of the show. That is the waiver Wire show done and you can follow this podcast, wherever you follow podcasts and you can be a double banger, audio and video, thumbs ups, comments, follows, subscribes, notification bells. It's all a great way of starting off your 2024 with the best karma possible. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.